Thank you for listening to Comics for Fun and Profit. This is Drew with a special episode of my other podcast that I co-host regularly. And uh, it's Weekly Comic Spotlight over at John Mayo's comic book page. And uh, for those of you who haven't heard it, I wanted to give you a chance to listen to it. It's a standard review show of uh, a Marvel, a DC, and an independent comic. Uh, each week. So uh, check this out. And if you like it, go over there and subscribe or check out uh, those those episodes. They're a lot of fun. So thanks again for listening. Um, here you go. This is Weekly Comics Spotlight 531 for comics originally released on October 11th, 2017. Now starting us off in DC is Gotham City Garage number one. This is another one of the Digital First series that kind of follows in the tradition of Amy Kami Girls, Injustice, DC Bombshells, and even though it's not a uh, uh, Digital First that I'm aware of, I'm going to toss Superhero Girls in this category. And it's something where they take the iconic DC characters, do a totally different take on them, and just tell some stories with it. Uh, with Amy Kami Girls, it was an anime uh, take on it. Injustice was based on the video game and a little bit dark, not quite dystopic, but uh, that's been going six, seven years, so that's probably the most successful. Bombshells was based on the cover images, I think. Uh, This is based on a series of DC collectible statues, and I'm sure I've probably seen these somewhere, but honestly, they didn't really register for me at all, so I've... I've got no connection to the the source material of this whatsoever. Yeah, at least with Bombshells, it was a little more recognizable as, oh yes, those series of of statues. Yes, I get that. Mm-hmm. I get I get the inspiration. This I do not get the inspiration point. Maybe I've seen them around in cons and things, but I don't know. Um, well, it doesn't stand out as well. Yeah, with Bombshells, they also did the covers, so I think we'd seen more of them, even if just in solicits and stuff. I don't know that they've done a series of covers based on this or not. So, yeah, I think we're both kind of, it's an interesting idea, I guess. I wonder what it is. And I'll be honest, some of these sorts of titles uh, have been fun. Some have been much better than others. Again, I point to Injustice uh, as the the most successful of the bunch in terms of let's take the DC characters and go in a different direction. Um, the others tend to be more radically different takes on the characters. Uh, the World War II era or whatever for bombshells. This is a... Well, it's funny because this series is set 35 years after, quote-unquote, Luthor Rise, which I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm going to assume it's the rise of Luthor and maybe not a good thing because this is also set in, uh, what do they call it? Uh, Garden, the last city on Earth. Um, anytime you've got the last city on Earth, it's like, that's not good for the rest of the planet. But this is sort of... A, for my take, almost a cliche, post-apocalyptic sort of a setting. We've seen this Last City on Earth riff tons of times before in various ways, shapes, or form, whether it's literally the Last City on Earth. Everything from kind of a Mad Max sort of a thing. Heck, Power Rangers did a season where there was the one city that was left. Uh, and then uh, one of the ones I, I want to reference is uh, the Island City. Uh, I think it was at pilot for a TV show from 1994 that was, okay, this is the island city. It's the last city on Earth. They'd go out, have adventures or whatever. 
Uh, it's notable for starring Kevin Conroy, and yes, that Kevin Conroy, uh, the voice of Batman, but it was a live-action role for him. So, this last City on Earth thing, seen a dozen of times, if not more, it's cliche, but that's the setting. The story they're telling, actually, I found fairly interesting and intriguing and went in different directions than I had expected, because I didn't really expect anything in particular. Um, other than, frankly, based on the cover, I was expecting a, a stronger um, presence of, of Harley Quinn, and maybe she would be the title character. She was not. And I really loved how this title had a, a very fascinating mix of kind of hopeful, uplifting sorts of things, uh, but also a sense of darkness and, and uh, dystopic aspect. It's It's a Utopian take on a dystopia, almost, if, if you know what I mean. It was a bizarre uh, juxtaposition, but it really worked. Um, and I found this to have a lot more story than probably Amy Kami Girls or Bombshells. Or maybe not more story, but more story that resonated with me. That's that's the better way to put it. Um, this actually, I think, has some, some legs to stand on and uh, could be kind of the next injustice. I was... Um... Yeah, I, I think this is closer to Injustice than it is DC Bombshells. Unfortunately, it was solicited almost like a DC Bombshells Part 2, and um, I, I wonder if it's going to alienate people out of the gate saying, I don't want any more of that, or I tried that, and it wasn't it wasn't for me, because this doesn't read like that at all. It's, it's, it's much stronger than that title. Um uh, I, I feel like it this, this, It was kind of a disservice uh, to during the pre pre order cycle to say um, to say that this is you know inspired by statues uh, uh, as part of the as part of the whole thing because it's way more than that and that could have been a, an interior page like um, thanks to the shoot the the uh, Bob Kane for creating Batman or whatever, something a line like that, you know, it could have been thrown in there, like in, in characters loosely based on these, on these, this line of statues or something. Um, it didn't have to be the basis of how this thing was pitched. And I think that was a misstep, uh, marketing wise, but that being said, um, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff in here, man. It's, it's yet another else worlds type story. And for those of us who, read a lot of these Elseworlds in DC, it can be confusing. <laughs> you, you, there's a lot of stuff going on in, in Justice and um, uh, uh, All-Star Batman that's different and Metal that's different and, and the regular line. So, you know... Metal you guys, isn't uh, an Elseworlds, by the way. But it sure feels like it. It sure doesn't feel like your standard fare. It's not your standard fare, but I, I mean, I agree that this... It is a, it's another world, though, right? It's like no, a, it's the mainstream DC. Dark, dark, dark. There's the dark multiverse. There yeah. are other worlds in it, but it is taking place in the same narrative universe with the same Batman, Superman as Justice League, Batman, Superman, all those other titles. Whereas this is set in theoretically a completely different reality. Right. You get my confusion. Not entirely, but we'll go. I, I can see where it can be confusing. The listeners. You get my confusion. John doesn't, but you do, <laughs> listeners. You feel my pain. Well, the you're fact on my side. That depending how you stack your DC books, you can never have two books in the same continuity. Some weeks, it's quite possible. 
you'd have to go every other one with the mainstream, of course. But if you toss in, again, Commandy Challenge, this, or Bombshells, or Injustice, or a few others, yeah. Anyway, it's it, it, but it, that being said, if you know if you can handle that and handle a bunch of universes and not not worry about getting too confused like me, um, it, it it's fun. You you've got a you've got a Supergirl here or in name, uh, well that's actually in her power set, but yet she's raised by Jim Gordon, which is kind of cool. And you've got uh, a Batman who's really evil and a henchman for Lex, which is really cool and a different and. Uh, you've you've got a world, a futuristic world that's got some really cool things happening in it, and um, so it's it's fun. It's it's very injusticey in that regard, and there's lots of fun stuff happening that you're not getting elsewhere, and you know you can you can kind of enjoy that. the The art is different, so it's a it's a stylized art, and um, I think John and I have had a conversation about eyes in a previous review, <laughs> and there's yes. some really really weird eyes going on here, but uh, not a lot of consistency in the, in the quality of the eyes being drawn. But yeah, if you can handle the stylized art and, and you like elseworldly intakes, uh, this, this could be fun for you. Yeah. I thought overall it was, it was well done. There were one or two things that I kind of, it's like, I'm not sure I totally get the, the motivation behind this. I mean, in other words, were this a real world, what would have led to certain things? Specifically, and I don't know that they were named, so I'm going to call them the evil bat bots, which are the, the, the robots that have the Batman cowl and the assault rifles. It's like, okay, I'll grant the assault rifles. Why, why build in the weapons when they could jam up and you want to swap them or whatever? It's like, okay, assault rifles are available, they'll just use them. The trench coats, however, for the robots, interesting stylistic choice. Did they get cold? Do they need that for some other reason? I mean, it's, it's a cool visual. It's a Batman visual, but, I don't know. It's just things like that intrigue me. Um, the use of Supergirl and having her raised by Gordon worked surprisingly well. Um, and then at the end of this, they put a twist on that that really makes me wonder what happened 35 some odd years ago around the time of Luthor Rise and how did we get here and what's going on with, with a few other characters that are, are mentioned but not seen here. Um, it feels like this has a, a rich backstory to explore at some point beyond just the story they're telling now. And I find that exciting. I find that very intriguing. Yeah, there are already six of these available uh, digitally. I only read the first two, um, assuming that would be what the print copy was. And I wanted, us to, be on the same, I wanted us to be on the same page. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure what, what those next four have already kind of revealed about this world. And... Um, I'm kind of interested in checking it out. Uh, the, it surprised that uh, uh, something with I, I had so lex, so low expectations, having come off of a DC bombshells review not so long ago, and having yet another statue-inspired series. Uh, I really had gutter uh, expectations for this, and so I was really pleasantly surprised by uh, the quality of the storytelling and uh, the interesting stylized art and things that they were doing in this world. What was your rating on this? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you give it a rating? Uh, I'm going with a B plus. I thought this was solid. I think um, the really, really nice cover art was making me expect a little bit more out of the interior art that I got. It was good. It was solid, but different style. Um, so not quite in that A range, but it, it looks like as a series, it definitely can get in there. Yeah, solid B for me, um, and I'm, I would recommend it to anybody who likes Injustice. How much? You, know, you got the digital installments, right? Yep. 
How much did you pay for each of the two? I would imagine I mean, 99 cents. Something like that. Buck 99? I'd have to look it up. All right. Because this was two ninety nine in print, and uh, with two installments, it's making me wonder, am be, I... It would probably be the same as Injustice, I'm thinking. I'm wondering if the print is subsidizing the uh, the digital or vice versa. Because with two installments, it's either $0.99 cents or more like, you know, probably, or possibly um, $1.99, at which point the digital is subsidizing the print, and that seems unlikely. I'm just, I'm curious. Because at times it feels like as a, a issue reader, I am subsidizing the trades, and if I'm also doing that for the, the digital, that makes me kind of... $0.99. Cents. So I am. Because I paid uh, a buck more, or ninety nine. Well, yeah. Well, actually, uh, I paid two ninety nine. You paid ninety nine cents twice. So yeah, you paid more. Yeah, by which what? is not normally the case. Yeah, interesting. I mean, you you paid what a dollar forty nine with your discount. So you didn't really cover price though. They're yeah, expecting. if you if if you paid cover price, which you don't, then which you I don't, but right. DC doesn't so get you the... aren't subsidizing anybody. Well, hang on because. DC is not getting the full uh, cover price on the digital either. They're getting the same sort of rough percentage through uh, uh, the comicsology stuff as they get through Diamond, I believe. I could be wrong on that, but not radically different. Um, going digital doesn't actually save them a whole lot in terms of, yeah, they're not printing, but they've got to split the money between comicsology, iTunes, and one or two other places, depending how some of it works. Yeah, it was, it was a horrible split the last time I looked into it. You know, depending on if they are going through Google Play or iTunes or whatever, yeah. it's 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 everybody's got their hand out, and it it seemed um, really like a severe cut they were giving up. Surprisingly so, because I know initially a lot of people it's digital, you're not printing and shipping, it should be way cheaper, and it's not. Um, but interesting. Shall we move on to our Marvel book? Yeah, this is Falcon number one. And this is part of the legacy stuff, but it's confusing because I know the Falcon had a four-issue limited series back in, yeah, 1984, and I think he might have had one more recently. So he should be at at least number five. At least. He's getting gypped. It's just not fair. Um, I'm sure there's some kind of algorithm where if, if the numbers don't equal X, then we launch with a number one. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. I'm guessing. I have no idea what their reasoning is for any of these. I don't think it's a huge surprise that uh, Sam Wilson is back being Falcon. I mean, other than the fact he let some other kid use the name, and he is now just taking it back a whole hog. Making me wonder, I mean, couldn't Sam have gone with some other name? Um, first one that popped to my mind was American Eagle. Of course, uh, Jake and Jason Strongbow was using that. And after that, I was running short on what would be a good kind of aerial patriotic name that he could take. So I guess Falcon's as good as any. I got mixed feelings on the new costume. It's kind of cool, but there's something about it where the the torso is just kind of plain and the design's mostly elsewhere that's it's non-standard and it's taking a little bit for me to get used to. But those kind of like that Nightwing redesign, you know, minus the wings. Well, it's it's putting the wings down on the lower part of the torso. Um, I mean, it kind of works. It's just it's different. I, I I need to get used to it. The one part about the costume that really did surprise me is it's it's apparently bulletproof. And not just a little bit bulletproof, I mean substantially bulletproof. Because early on in this issue, three or four thugs shoot at him at point-blank range, one with what looks like an automatic weapon. Uh, and these things just bounce right off, and they're hitting him straight in the chest. And he's not even getting the wind knocked out of him. 
Um, so good on him for the upgrade. Uh, bad on them for for not shooting for the obviously unprotected parts. But you know, hey, they're they're thugs. They're not smart. I'm okay with that. Um, there were parts of this issue I liked. There were a few things that I'm probably gonna nitpick to death on this. Um, I like the character, and frankly, I'm a little bit more excited about what they're doing here than over in Captain America. Of course, that may change once I read that issue. Um, what were your thoughts on this issue before I nitpick it to death? You know, it it, it was okay, and um, I, I, you know, I, I thought the character was pretty strong towards the end of Captain America, and he had some great speeches, and he, he was real a real leader. And you know, I couldn't kind of was going with him when he was giving up the shield and said, "I'm done. I've I've had." I've done my leading and, and I just want to go back to just being a Falcon. So I was kind of interested in, in following him and seeing what he did. Um, this was an, an okay story. Um, I, I, these, these two rival gangs, it's, it's kind of a boring story. It's really nothing special. Um, I didn't like the supernatural thing at the end with Blackheart. Uh, I did, I don't know that character. So maybe that's, he's a longstanding character and he, Pretty sure Does, he is, but a fairly forgettable one. Yeah, so I, I'm really not interested in that guy, and um, I, I'm going to give it a, a little more. There was, I was, there was some fun stuff with the the the, the his partner and um, him going back and forth with him. That was that was okay, but for the most part, it was it was kind of a lackluster start. And um, as far as a number one and a debut to grab people and send them into the next issue, I thought it came up a little short. That's that's fair. Um. When uh, he Falcon meets up with uh, his sidekick, uh, the new Patriot. Um, do you got that that page in front of you? Which one? Um, it's a couple of pages in, about six, seven pages in, and the uh, the not Quinjet seems to be landing. Did you notice where they met up? This is one of those little Easter eggs that I'm sure the artist just tossed in, and I thought it was kind of cool. But you know, if you miss it, you don't lose anything in the story. Uh, they're sitting there at Lone Pine Mall. Okay. Not only that, but uh, I'm pretty sure, although it's a little hard to make out, that uh, we see the time on it as uh, 1.33, which is, I'm pretty sure, when Doc Brown and Marty were doing their thing. Of course, it was AM versus PM, I think, maybe, but it, again, it's hard to tell. Oh, is it Back to the Future? Yeah. So ah. Nice little little riff there. Uh, one of the things I, I want to nitpick on is, in this cliche story of we've got two two gangs, two armies that are going to fight, let's... Let's go broker the peace. When uh, when Patriot's going and talking to, what is that group? I guess the Kings. Um, at one point, he starts out with uh, some Spanish. Then when he's talking again, it looks like he's in English. But at the end of that scene, uh, the leader of the Kings is, hey, dude, speak English. Your, your Spanish sucks. And I'm like, how were we supposed to know Patriot was not speaking English? You know, back in the day, they'd put those kind of angled brackets, like the greater than, less than signs, around that text, indicating it's in a foreign language. There'd be a footnote saying, hey, it's Spanish. We've translated it for you because, well, we're that kind of nice guys as a creative team or editor or whatever. That doesn't happen these days. Um, the closest I've seen is over in the new Superman title, where the Chinese is uh, written in black, but the English is in blue or whatever. Which, I don't know how that does for the colorblind, but it's, to me, not radically different than doing the angled brackets in how, how foreign languages used to be dealt with. Um, but the one that really kind of annoyed me, and I'm trying to remember where it was, 
Oh, I think it was when Falcon, uh, a few pages earlier, was talking to that gang of, of uh, well, that gang, and the issue of trust comes up, and uh, here's his line. My best friend, who was a symbol for all that's great about this country, lied to me for decades. Obviously, he's talking about Steve Rogers, Captain America, and clearly Sam feels Cap was lying to him for decades about him, which I thought was a really strange thing to say. First, I would think even from Sam's perspective, he should understand the timeline around what happened at Pleasant Hill and that Cap was, was you know, swapped or whatever, and this new bad Cap happened, which is why there was a real Cap to save the day or whatever, and it's... It's one of those that maybe he didn't see it that way, maybe he doesn't, I don't know, but it, it kind of, it's like, well, my interpretation of events in his are clearly different. Okay, fine. But decades. I don't think Captain America, Steve Rogers, has been out of the ice that long, much less has known Sam and worked with Sam for decades, plural. A decade, sure, I'll give him that. But it seemed like the writer was mixing up kind of the our time and the published duration versus the narrative time. And in story time, sure, Sam could feel that he'd been lied to for years, certainly. Decades, not so much. But but to your point, when it when when Steve Rogers came back and righted the ship, that really hadn't been occurring. It was the cosmic cube that had placed those thoughts in his head. He hadn't really been doing Hydra for decades. My interpretation of that, and we're getting a little spoiler he on uh on Secret Empire, for which I apologize to any listener who hasn't isn't current on that, but this is clearly spinning out of that um, with with Falcon. My take was during event at Pleasant Hill. Up until then, Cap had been the stand-up all-American we know him to be. Right. The the Cosmic Cube, Kobik swaps him out and changes his past history, which is how Hydra Cap, complete with the Hydra tattoo, had never been noticed before because he hadn't existed before. It's like a, an alternate reality version got swapped in, essentially, which is how we had the real cap to for Kobik, the the Cosmic Cube, to bring back. So, but I assume the Avengers, the Avengers, have a debrief after major events and talk these things through. One would hope. So it's not like know. it's not like they've set up a a huge history of them having mission logs that all new members are expected to read cover to cover and all of these things. I mean, they absolutely have that. There is probably at the Avengers Mansion Tower or wherever the hell they're staying these days, um, a, a thorough, uh, file that you could read for every aspect of, of the Secret Empire stuff. Were you, uh, an Avenger and had, uh, security clearance or whatnot? And it's probably even illustrated with word balloons. Ooh, could be. <laughs> Possibly even by Steve Rogers himself. It's possible. So. I don't know. It's it's one of those things. If you're gonna pull that kind of a stuff up, when it it it, it feels just the timelines wrong and stuff like that, I don't know. That that annoys me a little. But ultimately, it doesn't matter to this story. It is it is a mistake on a couple of different levels, though. Yeah, and one that I think the editor, or even the writer, should have caught. But to me, the bigger problem was a villain creating a divide in society like this and pitting two forces against each other has been done to death. And frankly, better. Everything from the hate monger stories on up and down to the Psycho Man to uh, you name it. Um, this was okay. It was it was fun to see these characters going at it and stuff. But I was hoping for a more compelling first issue. 
and something that wasn't – I guess it didn't feel like the writer and the artist were on the same page because the writer felt like he had to explain why at that Lone Pine Mall, Patriot shows up out of costume and is then in clear view of whoever's watching suiting up. It's like, dude, I know you're a rookie, but suit up before you get there. Um, It was an entertaining story and stuff, but I think it could have and, and should have been better. Um, and like I said, there's a lot where I could just nitpick this to death if I wanted to, but it's not bad. It's just for a first issue. I think you need to go out of the gate stronger. And I was disappointed that they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, and yeah, I think where the, the DC book had a stylized art that, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be right for every, everyone. I just, I think this is art is a little below average. I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a strong art. Artists um, rendering in here. Let me look and check who that guy is. Cassandra, uh, is that right? Joshua Cassara. Uh, Cassara. Joshua Cassara. Not a name and, that rings any bells, but I'm really bad with yeah. creator names. And and uh, the writer Rod Rodney Barnes. He wrote a a passable story that uh, is okay, but but nothing special. And Coming out of the gate, a new number one. You're going to get some eyeballs on there that you're not not going to get normally. You want, you need to be a little stronger, I think. Um, so I think this is below average, and I give it a C minus. I can I can understand that. Um, for a second there, I thought you were going to claim that the only reason Rodney uh, Barnes uh, got the assignment was nepotism. <laughs> Clearly, he's somehow related to Bucky Barnes, but gotta be great great grandson or something. Um. I'm liking what they're doing with, with Falcon and stuff. I'm going to be probably a little overly charitable and go with a B minus on this. I think it could have and should have been better, but it's not one of those where I felt they should be kind of embarrassed to have put it out. But it is too competitive of a market for this quality of material to stick around for too long. I, they need to up their game. Yeah. That, that's really all there is to it. Shall we move on to our other title? Yeah. This is Fighting American number one from Titan Comics. There is something kind of um, humorous about a uh, a British publisher doing a uh, an American, uh, basically a Captain America style hero. I am not that familiar with the original Simon and Kirby uh, work on Fighting American, um, so I, I can't say if this is true to the character or not. I will say that starting the first uh, issue with a, uh, a full page of exposition of the story thus far to set up the backstory and the origin of the characters. I, I'm going to say that's not the best way to start a story. You know, it's a first issue. There's a, a first issue of a new title by this publisher, yada, yada. It's not like it's just a renamed or revamped title. There shouldn't be a story so far to recap if we're coming in clean. And apparently we're not. And likewise, when we actually get to the first actual story page, the first caption, 62 years later. Later than what? Turns out these guys are time hopping, so okay, I, I get that, but odd way to start the story. And I was expecting a fairly straightforward uh, kind of Captain America riff, because, I mean, it's similar character. It's it's Fighting American. He's more or less Cap, Speed Boy instead of Bucky, a few cosmetic changes or whatever. That is not where they went. I mean, there's there's enough of that window dressing to set it up and set that expectation clearly. But um, where they end this issue was very much a uh, uh, sets up a different kind of a story than the typical fish out of water Captain America thing. I mean, there'll be aspects of that, but it looks like it'll be a bit, um, I'll say darker or more twisted, but uh, 
there's a certain gotcha aspect to this where clearly the fighting American was, was played. And I started to suspect that the minute the professor who invented the time travel, his nephew was really seen and the professor's smacking him upside the head with shut up kid. You're, you bother me kinds of things. And just kind of a, Hey, you're here. We got to go back. So you can go clean the test tubes and the Petri dishes. And I'm like, you know, World War II era cleaning of Petri dishing sort of, of lab assistants generally don't go well. Uh, <laughs> now, I'm using a small sample set, I will admit to that, but my reference point here is Per Degaton, who from the JSA and All-Star Squadron over in the DC Universe, he was the uh, Petri dish test tube cleaning assistant to the professor over there who had invented time travel. Now, this, this professor, in, in fairness, had repeatedly invented time travel because all the stories kind of undid themselves after the JSA or whomever fixed everything. Um, so when we get to the end and we get kind of the twist there or whatever, it's like, okay, I'm not too surprised by that. And it actually, when this kid becomes, what was it, Kid Chaos and the Fighting American, instead of getting all this weaponry and, and things the professor promised him, uh, the kid's like, yeah. We came back. I killed him. You're stuck. Have fun. And I'm like, wow, what a clever way to get the heroes out of your way for 62 years. They're in the future. They don't know how to come back. You've got the time machine. You're set. Um, now, whether it plays out that way for Kid Chaos or not, don't know. But um, it took what otherwise would have been a fairly pedestrian, uh, almost cliche riff on Captain America and spun it into a... I thought fairly interesting direction. Well, I, I, I was, I assumed this was based on some existing property mm -hmm. that I needed to know this long page of, of exposition to understand. Um, so yeah, what, why do I, why did I need to know that Johnny flag is dead and his kid brother now inhabits his re reanimated super strength body? Why do I need to know that? And if if I need to know it, why can't you just show me in a number one issue? Um, that 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 was weird. Off the and unless it was like a a new volume of something that um it was renumbered. And so I just, why not have that in the story? Is your point? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of kind how I feel about the Marvel recap pages. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of a, it's, a it's cheat. kind of it's weird. A crutch. But, but then there's so much of it that never came up. Yes, in, in the story. I mean, none of this came up. It, it, it was there, there, this this book. I was on a roller coaster. This was a roller coaster book for me. I started off thinking, uh, obviously, this writer's does not have English as his first language. There's a lot of problems here. Um, okay, uh, now, now wait a minute. They're they're messing with me. Okay, this is this is this is obviously tongue in cheek. They're they're just being uh, strange for strange sake. And the the punchline's coming, and then it would kind of turn a corner. And I'm like, okay, this they're serious about this, and this is the type of story they want to tell, and the way they want to tell it. And okay, settle in. <laughs> so uh, it was it was interesting. Um, this the 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 writer is uh, Rennie Gordon uh, Rennie Gordon Rennie Rennie. Yeah, he's Scottish and. He denounced comics in 2008, uh, never to return to comics because he was going to go write for video games where all the money was. That, that's, that's what I look for in a comic writer, somebody who's denounced comics. Denied, denounced in 2008, and he's off to make his millions in the video game industry and 
now he's back and he's back with this and i don't know it it's it just started off so obtuse and weird and and just really stilted language and and it was really tough to read and it felt like it got I either settled into the world or he got better at telling the story as, as the book progressed because I, I at least could at least uh, got it a little bit. Um, not saying I it, it's for me or it's something I really enjoyed, but I didn't feel like I was being punked uh, throughout the reading of this comic by the time I finished it. So that that's good. Um, the, uh, the 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 art style is OK. Um, I, I didn't mind it, but it wasn't. It wasn't great. Um, some of the characters are just really, really drawn in a in a style that harkens back to a time that I, I, I that I don't know if really existed or is it maybe from the golden age or something. And um, I, I don't find it, you know, nostalgic. I'm not nostalgic for that. So um, that, didn't like that that much. Um, the 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 stuff with. Oh my goodness! It's 2017, and look at how this thing happens and this technology. And um, it's been done better in other books, and mm-hmm. um, so that, that I found really tiresome. And there was a lot of golly gee willikers fighting American, um, and and just a, a language and a dialogue that I I didn't find endearing at all. Um, so th- this missed for me in a lot of ways, and just is probably not. A book that's for me and uh, uh I, you might like it better if you like something like this um i'm trying to think of something that would i mean this is this is a a, a poor poor man's astro city maybe no um, not even but close. not even not even <laughs> i'm trying to think of something that this is akin to and, um and, and i can't because i don't read anything like this supreme it's poor man supreme starring a captain america riff versus uh, a superman riff Okay, there you go. Uh, there's another book I don't read. Uh, it's not coming out these days. Okay. This is one that's a little hard to get a grasp as to exactly what direction, tone, style they're aiming for and trying to get here. And this was billed as a direct continuation of Simon and Kirby's classic series. Didn't read it, don't know. Maybe this is perfectly in line with it, but um, well before my time. Yeah, I guess like with Commandy, you know, and, and the Commandy Challenge, I didn't read the original Commandy. Um, I get it, but when I read those stories, I get a sense for what it was like, and then and then enjoy the story being told. Mm-hmm. Maybe this, maybe this is spot on, but it it doesn't work for me at all. Aspects of it worked for me, but I guess the part I enjoyed the most was like the last three pages, yeah. which I kind of saw coming, and it's like, oh well, I wonder where they're going with this. So it looks like it's definitely not just going to be a, a their telling of Captain America but a bit more of a um, almost subversive version of that story. But there were parts of the story that were a little unclear what I should be taking out of it. At one point, one of the the bad guys from the past is running around, and, uh, you know, as everybody's got their cell phone on, on Fighting American and stuff, this guy's making a getaway, and he comes across a bunch of people in costume. And I'm like, are they heroes? Are they cosplayers? I can't tell. And I don't have enough to go on here because they, I don't think they ever once say a single word, you know? Yeah, so that, that was weird. It was, it was unclear. It's interesting enough that uh, I'm going to keep going with it, but it was certainly not so great that it's got any sort of a lock up by pull list. Um, and the fact that, you know, it was really the last three pages that, that kind of turned things around for me. 
if it was just more of the same of, oh, look, the, they've got shiny pocket notebook thingies they're waving at us. It's like, okay, I know what a cell phone is. I, I get he doesn't, but I'm not getting anything out of any particular enjoyment out of that aspect of the storytelling. Your point that at least a paragraph or two of the uh, um, opening uh, exposition was completely unnecessary. Uh, yeah, I agree with it, but the whole... You know, he's in his brother's repaired body or whatever. That there's something just kind of creepy about that. That I don't know if they're ever going to play with or not. I, like I said, I don't know where they're going with this. Certainly, I don't think it's a must-buy if you like the character or like this sort of almost subversive take on on a character. Uh, it might be worth checking out. Um, the art is certainly not one I would say you know uh, is worth picking up solely for that. It's again a I feel a dated style, but if you want a direct continuation of Simon and Kirby's classic series, and if this is indeed is a, a true and, and um, uh, representative or, or good continuation of it, I don't know, but it's here. It wasn't bad. I liked it, but it's one that not the strongest of starts and could easily fall off my pull list, uh, depending how it goes for the first arc. So I'm probably going to go, I was, I was going to be a little nicer to it than I'm going to be. I'm going to go with a C plus on this. I was thinking about the B minus, but, uh, there's, there's really just not enough to hang my hat on. Yo, no, definitely not for me. I gave it a D. Uh, I don't recommend it. Um, I, I don't know who this would appeal to. So, uh, I, I, I didn't like it at all. Understandable. Not everything is for everybody and that's fine. So anything else? Does that pretty much do it? Yeah, I think that does it. 